You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Closing shooters against Omar this year haven't had much luck. Just one goal and seven tries. And the Wilds start with Victor Rask. Rask in against Hallmark, and he lost the puck. Was it just a gut feeling to go with Victor Rask to open the shootout? No, no, there was a reason. What went into the decision? There was a reason. I mean, we've got Judd wants to rant about the Wild. I always want to rant about the Timberwolves and Wiggins. (laughs) I have a... Rami probably has rants, too, or maybe you just want to... I have a conspiracy theory. I could just sit back and enjoy the rants if you guys don't mind. Well, yeah, or if you got something. I, was, I take great joy in your agitation. So I was so positive during Purple Daily that it had it to It was end. amazing. I couldn't do it for two shows. Was, I can't do it for two shows it straight. Was the optimism from Judd today on Purple Daily, and if you didn't hear it, check it out. It's gorenorth.com or wherever you download your favorite podcast. It was, it was, it was jarring on some level, Phil. Like, Manny and I were both... Like catatonic in a state of shock by the time we went to the first wow. commercial because he was so optimistic, so uncharacter- uncharacteristically optimistic for Judd that I knew that there was o- there was only so much in that tank. I knew there could only be so much what, in that what tank. What has you in such a bright and bushy mood today, Judd? Well, I gave some thought to to the concept was the state of the Vikings. And the more I thought about it, and I'm guilty of this, collar is too... But I think we've lost sight because the this season was so disappointing and because the quarterback didn't play up to expectations. I think we've lost sight of what this team is truly about and if it's going to be successful, which is defense. And so I put together, what, about four points, yeah, 15-minute soliloquy on the positives that will surround this team or could or should surround the Vikings going into 2019. Wow. So it was just it was just full on sunshine. Yeah, yeah. I came up with league league because because the thing that people forget year after year is the amount of teams who miss the playoffs, right? Who then come back and get in. I think I counted. I think two years. I think from 2016 to 17 in the NFC, it was five of six. Mm-hmm. This year, I think it was three of six. A lot of reasons why. I agree with you. Yes. So I, I came back with that. Today. We did a. We actually did a full just to just to document the day as we get into what we're going to rant about here. The hour after Purple Daily, we did twenty full minutes on reasons to be optimistic about the Minnesota Twins this year. So, what could possibly come crashing down here as we transition into <laughs> absolutely nothing? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Why don't you start us off? <laughs> okay, I've got a I've got a a sort of a rant, but more of a conspiracy theory as to the why. Something happened on Tuesday night in Buffalo, New York. The Wilds playing uh, the Sabres, and they come back and tie the game late. They go to the OT. They then go to my favorite thing in all of the world, the shootout, the stupidest thing in all of sports. 
And the Wild starts the shootout with with newcomer Victor Rask, who was acquired, I think it was January 17th, for Niederreiter from Carolina. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, if Victor Rask is going first, he's not a very fast player, but that's fine. You don't need to be fast. He must be a sleuth type of guy in this format, right? Because why else would you start off with this newcomer who we don't consider to be that good? Well, he puts the glasses on. Then I let me let me let me delve into the statistics of Victor Rask's past in shootouts. He was like a lawyer, like going yeah. into going into his briefcase to pull out some sort of piece of evidence or file, put on his glasses first. Let me You're, present to you Exhibit A. Your Honor, if I may. Yes, yes. If I may enter this sheet of paper into evidence, I would appreciate it. Permission to approach. Victor Rask. In his career in the shootout format, so that's just the one-on-one format, one of seven in his career, and furthermore, he hadn't taken one, a, a shootout opportunity, in four years. Four years. Wow. So the result of this is that Victor picks up the puck, and LaPanta didn't do it justice. He picks up the puck, and he goes in, and it's like, don't, don't, don't. And he gets near the goal, and you're expecting a shot. It dribbles off his stick. Thud. And that's it. I'm sure he practices, right? He hadn't done this in four years. I'm sure he was. He had no expectation that he he would be picked to participate in this format, Phil Mackey, much less go first. Can you now play the Boudreaux comment about the philosophy of why Victor Rask was picked? Was it just a gut feeling to go with Victor Rask to open the shootout? No, no, there was a reason. There was a reason. What was the reason? Okay, this is the conspiracy theory. This is where I where I am going to have to treat the witnesses hostile because I'm going to put words in Boudreaux's mouth. The only reason I can figure that he did this is that it was a, okay, GM, Paul Fenton, I'm not your guy. You acquired this guy, and if you think he's that good, I'll have him go first. Love it. I love I'm this. going to have him. I'm going to show you. He's going to get fired for, for doing stuff like that. Yes. But that's, well, I love, and, I love it. And, here's the, and here is the tie-in to maybe part of the reason why Boudreaux's buttons might have been pushed to going this far. I can't even pronounce this guy's name yet. But last night there was a defenseman that Fenton, who was the assistant GM in Nashville, plucked off waivers from the Predators last week. And this guy played in front of Sealer, the Lakeville kid, who in a game last week, I kid you not, I think it was last week, blocked something like three or four shots on one shift. I yeah. mean, this Sealer plays his butt off. He's not a perfect player, but he plays his butt off. And Sealer was, as far as I know, last night, a healthy scratch. There is no way on God's green earth that Boudreaux scratched that kid without being told to. So I love your conspiracy theory. It reminds me, when I covered the Twins beat for three or four years, and Gardy always got along with Terry Ryan and Bill Smith, but there was a, a lot of times where Ron Gardenhire clearly disagreed with the 25 guys that were on his roster, that he wanted an extra pitcher, or he wasn't in love with a couple of the pitchers that maybe were on the roster. And I will swear up and down that he'd get into these close games and it would it would never be at least I don't think it would never be in a season in which like they had a lot on the line it would be you know July or August and the season is pretty much over and they're just scrapping to stay 
relevant for the for the dog days of summer. And he would pick a close game to put some just sacrificial lamb dude out. It's three to two yep. in the eighth inning against the heart of the Yankees order. And like <laughs> he sends Liam Hendricks out to you know, or yeah. or he'll he'll send like Jim Hoey just like, I'll some show random you. Idea. I'll show you. If you're gonna put this guy on my roster, I'll use yeah. him. You watch I'm pretty sure he did that a couple times with Anthony Slamma and Jeff Manship when those guys would come up and it was it was not prime time for them. It was eh, fifth or sixth inning mop up duties and he'd say, You know what? I told you in spring training, Anthony Slamma can't get a big yep. leaguer out. I'm going to show you in the eighth inning of a one-run game with runners on second and third, <laughs> against, and Alex Rodriguez coming Jeter. up. Yes, exactly right. And and the way that Boudreaux responds to Dane's question leads me to believe that he's basically saying, you know exactly why I did this. Uh, it's, uh, so that's my con- so I'm not so, upset. I was perplexed, and and as a Boudreaux fan, I was saying to myself, why would he do this? Sure. And the deduction is. To show Paul Fenton, all right, buddy boy, you obtained this guy for me. I'll use him. Boy, I like uh, I like a good conspiracy theory. I like a good conspiracy theory. Do you, Phil, have a conspiracy theory on why Andrew Wiggins would take that <laughs> shot last night, or is that just Wiggins being Wiggins? No, I don't have a conspiracy okay. theory, but I found it interesting that in an interview that I saw surfacing last night, I, I, I'm guessing it's for the uh, Area 21 show. Is it tomorrow night? KG was in town at some point interviewing Carl Anthony Towns, Ryan Saunders, and Andrew Wiggins before the Wolves played Memphis last night. Okay, mm-hmm. so what I'm what we're about to play for you this is an Andrew Wiggins quote. KG needling him, saying, "Dude, why aren't you an All Star yet? What is your problem? You've been in the league for all these years." And he actually put him to the test. So what Andrew Wiggins is about to say in this soundbite, mind you. This comment took place before last night's game against Memphis, okay? It happened to Cat, hoping that, you know, it's motivating Wiggs to, to, to join him one day or to at least light a fire under his ass or something. I'm mad at you, though. You know, I'm, you know why I'm mad at you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about it. When are we going to be an all-star, dog? When are we getting an all-star? Real talk. Cat, you can go now. <laughs> right. When, 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 when are you doing an all-star? Next year is a motivation for it. Really? Yeah, next year. That's what I'm aiming towards. No, he's already... So ne- 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 not... The first year, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. Now it's we're on to next year. But so so as of this quote, Kevin Garnett has challenged him, and he is hyper focused on. All right, enough messing around. All star game in my future. Well, next year. That doesn't mean that he has to show up for the game in Memphis last night. That's not next year. <laughs> well, five of eighteen and the most ridiculous turnaround fadeaway hand in face jump shot with the game on the line and Carl Anthony Towns standing about five feet away from him. I also did a little digging on this here, and I feel like every show is an opportunity to spend 20 minutes destroying Andrew Wiggins. Sure, so it's yeah. just like the same show every day. Mm-hmm. But I looked up, just out of curiosity, in these these games like last night where this dude goes 5 of 18 and shipwrecks you, and you only lose by two. How many times has that happened this season where everything else is fine, and you, you're playing in a close game, except this clown is off on a 3-for-18 shooting night and can't stop pulling how the trigger. How does he get that shot? Well, the, the, the late shot. Like, how how is that him taking that shot? I don't know. It's Ryan Saunders puts him out there, and but Thibodeau I'm, put him out there. But I'm completely confused. I mean, okay, in my opinion, Towns should mean, take that shot. Who but, draws up the play? Yeah, well, Why I, do you draw up the play and, to get him that shot? And who, who at this point empowers him to take that shot? Now, now, my goal would be everyone should look for Towns. But let's say that's not the goal. All right, I don't agree with that. Luol Dang was on fire last night. 
But Andrew Wiggins, right. Phil's right, the shot was pathetic. Well, it's a, it's part of a greater problem in that the Wolves play in a lot of close games and they lose a lot of close games. When Andrew Wiggins does what he did last night, 5 of 18, there was a game on the 25th of January. They lost by four points at Utah. So a back-and-forth bang-bang game. And he goes 8 for 26 from the field. He can't stop jacking shots. This season... In games in which Andrew Wiggins has shot 35% or worse, which is atrocious. If you're shooting below 35%, why are you still taking 20 shots? Just stop. Just sit down. Pass. Go grab a rebound. They have eight losses in those games. A few were blowouts. So let's take the three blowouts out. They have five losses in close games in which he couldn't stop shooting and couldn't make anything. If you if you just take him off the court in games like last night, just dude, okay, you have no self-control, and you can't hit a basket. Just Let's just get him off the court. Right. Let's give him those five close games. They would be 30-23 and 23 in the seventh seed in the Western Conference if you just stop shooting the ball and take him off the court. 30-23. and 23. But again, Phil, I don't know what you're missing here. Next year is the year for Andrew Wiggins. I don't know, I don't know why you're getting all worked up, man. We're not in next year yet, okay? He'll be oh worth God. that max deal Next season, he's did you and he's motivated. And did you guys hear when the response to KG? Okay, so yep. he's he's talking to Cat, and Cat is like hyper competitive, focused, answering like an adult. Andrew sounds like a kid. Oh, it's gonna be next year. No, 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 dude, you are a veteran, you are an adult now. Actually, can you play it again, real quick? Like, I'm very unimpressed. Because I think he says, we don't need to talk about that. When KG first brings it up, when he goes, I'm mad at you. Yeah. You know why I'm mad at you. Cat, you can leave. He says, Cat, you can leave. Andrew Wiggins goes, we don't need to talk about that. What happened to Cat, hoping that, you know, it's motivating Wiggs to to join him one day or to at least light a fire under his ass or something. (laughs) I'm mad at you, though. You know know why I'm mad at you, right? We're going to talk about it. When are we going to be an all-star? We don't need to talk about that. No, yes, we do. We, we absolutely yeah. need to talk <laughs> about video, that. That's in the video, something he actually like waves him off. He's like, "No, nah, we don't need to talk about that." And it, it, dude, it, you do. In fairness to him, I can't believe I'm about to sort of defend him. Don't. He, Why? He. It's, <laughs> it's not that he was like dismissing that he's he's clearly embarrassed by it, but I don't think he loves or is passionate about basketball enough to actually do something about it. And as Collar was it Collar who tweeted this earlier today or last night. When he says next year's the goal, it just means he's going to shoot more. Oh, like my solution to to being more aggressive is to just take more dumb twenty one foot jump shots with a hand in my you face, know what it spinning is? around. Apparently, he he is the kid who his parents say, "When are you going to clean your damn room tomorrow?" He's pushing, he's kicking the can down the road every chance. It's why he told Glenn, "I want this contract." Yeah, it's, I'll it, be good once it kicks in. No, you won't. You're you're perpetually kicking the can down the road because you really don't care. I mean, it's not like they have. It's it's not like he's super close to being an all star either. It's not. You know, there were some times when KG almost. I think KG went a couple of years was almost an all star and he's playing great defense. And man, if he can just develop a little better outside shots, right? Then he'll get to twenty five points a game and he's in. I mean, with Wiggins, it's not as simple as man. If he can just like do this one extra thing, it's literally if he can do anything. <laughs> That would be helpful to the Wolves well, if he, on the court. No, I will say there is one thing he could do that would that might make him an All Star, and that's shoot the basketball better. Like if he was shooting as many shots as he shot now, but at forty percent, like he he might be an All Star just just with that alone, because his scoring would go up 
How many points per game? If if you just add a few percentage points to it, and guys do make the All Star game just off of being good, efficient scores. The problem is he's not even that right now, and and I don't I don't know how you even get that out of him. Like, is that is is he just not working on his shot in the off season? Like, how is he shooting as much as he's shooting, not being good at it, and not getting it's better? Weird. It is weird, and to your to your point, I don't know how many guys who've been in the league for almost 400 NBA games and shoot that much. I don't know how many guys make drastic changes even as they get to their mid and late 20s. I know there's still a bunch of time here for him to play. He could, in theory, play in the NBA for another 10 years if if he's rosterable in 10 years from now. But how many guys, you see guys who don't take threes and then are late bloomers and start taking threes later on, right? Kevin Love didn't take threes and then practiced and added it. He's been shooting a handful of threes per game for five years. Have you guys, in in your time as a fan or in this business, have you guys ever covered a guy or watched a guy who you can tell does not care and all of a sudden he does? Because this guy doesn't care. Like, Like we've seen people turn corners when they maybe don't get it. And they're trying and trying and trying. It's why I have no doubt about Cat. I think Cat cares a lot. I think Cat has deficiencies, but there's never a moment where I say that's a weakness that he doesn't care about. I watch Andrew, and I never think he gives a damn. And I've seen guys like that before. I honestly think if you were, I agree with you. I, I think if you were to ask him if the money was equal, let's say you could make thirty million dollars a year playing video games, you could just be an e gamer like Ninja and make thirty million dollars a year. Would you rather do that or play actual basketball for a living? I think hands down he would say, oh, I want to play video games. I don't think he loves it. Bryant McKinney was born into a 340-pound frame and could move human beings for 10 years and make millions of dollars doing it, right? Yeah. When you're born into a 6'8 frame and you can jump and you can do enough and you make millions and millions of dollars and you hate it, that's a really, really interesting place to be, and I think that's what we're seeing with Andrew Wiggins. Tara Lowen said he didn't really love football, but, I mean, he he also did all the work that it took to – be you know a physical freak and and produce on the field, but he he was like yeah I don't really I don't really love football. I was just born gifted enough to to play this game at a really high level. He would admit that to you flat out, and I think there are more guys out there than we know who fall into that category who are just born with these God given gifts. Not to say that they don't work hard to get the most out of those God given gifts, but are just born. You know, born to play basketball in in a sense, or born to play football, or born to play baseball, and it's not really your passion. It's not really your calling. It's just, hey, I could make a lot of money doing this, and I, I have everything I need to do this. So why not? Yeah, what an amazing place to be, right? You just get paid It'd be twenty-seven nice, million dollars. <laughs> I don't really care, but I'm, man, am I rich? <laughs> uh, there's a couple more, uh, just quick nuggets here from the KG area twenty-one. Are this we is... going to get into the Philly game, Carl Anthony Towns' answer about the Philly game? Should we do that next? Or do you want to just play it now? Or what? Yeah, I, your I, thoughts on it? I do, I do. Okay, I don't think he's telling the truth. All right, we'll play it next. We also, I, I feel like there's going to be a, a fight in studio here in the next hour and a half about some new proposed Major League Baseball rules that are being floated around. You're in trouble. There's a line in the studio mm. right Phil's now. Phil's in big trouble. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Maybe maybe we've got maybe you've got Jonathan coming to flank me from the other side. He's going to have to get through that class. <laughs> There's not going to be time. By uh, God, here comes Jonathan. <laughs> As God is my witness, he's broken in half. <laughs> Let's talk about the best car dealership and service department in the metro area for a brief moment here. It's Luther Brookdale Toyota. It's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard where my family and I have been going for 
three plus decades. So I got to admit, I've got a random light on in my dashboard. One of those exclamation points. It's like orange. And I don't know enough about cars to know. The light is just an exclamation point? Yeah, Yeah, like a warning light. Tire pressure. Is it tire pressure? Is that what it is? Because it's cold. Don't worry about it. Blow it off. It'll be okay. Well, (laughs) but here's the thing. My wife knew. But here's the thing. So I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about cars. And if you're like me or like anybody who doesn't know anything about cars, you can stop into Luther Brookdale Toyota. They will tell you what that light means. They'll shut it off for you. And if it is something that needs to be tended to, they'll give you a no-obligation estimate for what it might cost. It's okay to be car illiterate like me. You just have to have friends like the ones on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Or you Luther could Brookdale, just Toyota. listen to Judd. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, nothing. Don't worry about it. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Hey, it's easy to listen to Score North on 1500 on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, Judd. Awesome. Alexa, fire a coach. No, 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 no. It's Alexa, trade everybody. Judd, no. It's Alexa, open Score North. Alexa, more hockey. I want more hockey. Just say, Alexa, open Score North, and you can listen to Score North on 1500. Alexa, open Score North. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. This is fantastic. Okay. I went to go play there too, right? What was that? Playing, seeing him on the other side. Yeah, yeah, I got smacked. What was that, man? Too much emotion. A lot of emotion in that game. Too much emotion. We went in there with a mindset of, instead of winning, which is always should be the focus, we kind of went in there with like, oh, we want to go show something, which it doesn't work out in this league. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. The all-new Score North. Check us out at scorenorth.com or wherever you download your favorite podcast. It's at S-K-O-R North. That was Carl Anthony Towns with uh, Kevin Garnett. Something, an, an interview they did for his uh, Area 21 television show and uh, talking about the trip to Philadelphia to visit Jimmy Butler and the 76ers. And Carl Anthony Towns said it was just too much emotion. They They wanted it too much going into that game. Now, Judd, Phil, I, I'm not a mind reader. I can't go into the mind of Carl Anthony Towns and the rest of the Timberwolves to know what their emotion or thought process was going into that game. But nothing about that game while watching it said to me that this was a bunch of guys who just wanted it too bad and were pressing. That was a bunch of guys who were scared, who got punked, who Jimmy Butler has, has in John Calipari's words, bullied Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins in his time in Minnesota. And it, the bullying peaked with that practice that we all, we don't even need to tell you what happened in it. The practice before this season started and he took their lunch money and, and they came back to school and the bully was there waiting for him in the schoolyard and they just handed him their lunch money again before he beat him up and took it from him again. I was talking about this with Manny in the, uh, in our, in our host lounge here at, at Score North, and he put it perfectly. Jimmy Butler is like Debo from the movie Friday. <laughs> that's that's who Jimmy Butler is when it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. So, uh, inside reference, I have a write that down on the table. Actually, Manny does. I've never seen the movie Friday. Yeah. He's referenced that exact reference a few times in the fall <laughs> on our show. And he predicted at some point in the next year, I will watch the movie Friday and enjoy it. Why but that haven't is not you watched yet. Friday? Just, it's on the list. It's on the list. But we'll we'll... Take the I never heard me. of it until he brought it up. I didn't even know about it. What? Yeah, Who am I working with? How do Jonathan, you know? have you seen the movie Friday? <laughs> I have not, no. What the? 
Do you want to leave now, or do you want to wait a little while and then leave? In fairness, Judd's never seen any movie if it's not like <laughs> that's long not order marriage. No, that's no, true. that's not that's true. true. I've seen a lot of movies. That's Wetmore. Wetmore's seen nothing. No, Wetmore's seen Dumb and Dumber, basically. And that's pretty much it. And then he'll Google some other references. Now, Judd's never seen a Bond movie. Yeah, that's true. I've never seen a Star Wars movie. I've never seen a Bond movie. I've seen the original Star Wars, that's it for me. But I've never seen a Bond film. Never seen a never seen a. You haven't seen anything since the original Star Wars? Which I, by the way, went to. Oh, my. At the age of seven. So, (laughs) if I hadn't gone, if my mom hadn't taken me, I wouldn't have seen that one either. Now, I loved it. And and for a brief period before I found sports, pretended that that my house was a uh, spaceship. But then I got done with. But then I got done with I that, totally see that and moved on to sports. A little Judd kid thinking. That oh was yeah, a spaceship. Well, and they bought I me the totally a- they bought me the action f- figurines and the dolls and the you know lights. You act like there's not enough room in life for sports and Star it Wars. Totally I, I don't. I don't. I, what? 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 <laughs> Rami's speechless. This is okay. Incredible. So here's what we got. Okay. Okay, little Forget kid. Forget Carl Anthony Townsend. Little kid. Kevin Garnett. We gotta talk about this. Little kid then finds sports. So? And then you got girls. So once you got girls in sports, ain't no time for Star it's Wars. It's not like you. <laughs> it's not like you had a. If you had a pie chart of Judd's life, it's not like girls took up a huge chunk of it, though, right? <laughs> well, but yeah, girls, music, sports. I was tapped out. Well, and then I started drinking at 16. <laughs> that took up time. Once I started like you doing. Have a lot of. You have plenty of time to watch this movie then. These movies then. Yeah, I, I saw you the crack pro- a beer and no, watch Star hold Wars. On a That's what I did at sixteen. Hold on a second. Phil said he has not seen a Star Wars. I at least saw Star Wars. Now I've not seen a Bond. So if you want to give me grief for that, you can. Well, you haven't so, seen any Star Wars. This sci-fi stuff does nothing for me. I'm not opposed okay, to binging understand. at some point, Fine. but I'm not a huge sci-fi guy. Now no, you want to go action movies. You want to go. I'm not a huge horror sci- movies. I'm a huge horror movie guy. I've seen every horror movie. I'm not a huge sci-fi guy either. But Star Wars, if you watch it, and if you have like a, a cinematic eye, it's basic. It's it's a crossbreed between sci-fi, but only in the sense that they're in space and on 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 ships and whatnot, and their swords are beams of light. That's a lot. But, that's a lot of sci-fi. It's, right? But it's <laughs> sci-fi is the vehicle for Star Wars. But really, when it comes down to it, it's a cross between a sam- samurai movie series and westerns. This that- is exactly how I justify my love for Rocky Four, which is. <laughs> Listen, it's not a wow. it's not a Sylvester Stallone boxing movie. <laughs> Am I, I right though, Jonathan? Isn't it like a, a cross between westerns and samurai movies? Yeah, that sounds about right. Which, by it the seems way, a bit aggressive, but yeah, that's, listen, that's those two have a lot it. have a, have listen. they they tread a lot of the same territory: cowboy movies and, and samurai movies. If you've seen Point Break, oh. Roadhouse, and all Seagal films, you're set for life. <sighs> yeah. Hard to if you've seen Hard to Kill. List, if you've seen Hard to Kill, you cops don't you don't deserve your guns. Then you're fine. Listen, I saw. I actually saw Roadhouse for the first time. I was texting you yeah, last month. What'd you think? And we haven't done the review on the air thing yet. No, I didn't. I never asked you. My fault. It absolutely lived up to the expectations. <laughs> it, it, it is amazing. That, that last fight scene where they're outside is it in the rain and they're just like throwing haymakers for an awkward amount of time. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what's the more awkwardly long fight scene, Roadhouse or Lethal Weapon? Where not only are is it Lethal Weapon? Yeah, yes. where they're fighting in the it's it, was Gary Busey, Gary Busey? right? Yeah. yeah. So Lethal Weapon, boy, we started this segment with a Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Andrew Wiggins. Lethal Weapon is fantastic. But the, first the end one. scene makes, fight scene. It makes no sense because, first of all, the sprinklers in the rain or whatever it was. But there's like nine cop cars with police officers. So the ending of the movie isn't in question. Oh, is 
is the bad guy going to win? Well, even if he wins the fight, there's nine He's cops. getting arrested, right. right, yeah. But the key to that scene was when Mel asked Gary, do you want a shot at the title? Because <laughs> that's it. <laughs> then the cops got to back off. He's got a shot at the title. <laughs> oh, come on. If that That's a great... Oh, the first Lethal man. Weapon's fantastic. Okay, since Judd and I have just admitted the embarrassing movie omissions from our lives... Jonathan and Rami, what what's the most embarrassing movie omission from your repertoire? Hmm. That you're embarrassed to tell people I've never seen blank. I'll give you a, I'll give you a warm up one. I so can't our think guy, of one. Our guy Derek Wetmore, who covers baseball for a living. <laughs> this is awful. Derek Wetmore. <laughs> no, this is covers awful. the oh, Twins. I got one. He's the host of Touch Mall. He's never seen Major League before. Yeah. I'm not working with him anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm not working with you him should, anymore. You should you should hear until now, the amount of films that guy has not seen. He, we were doing a podcast he's, years he's, ago. He's read the book for all of them, though. Just so you know, we we were doing a <laughs> podcast. A podcast with him. What five years back now? It's been a long time, and he started to fess up. And at first, we're like, "No, you're you're joking." He wasn't. It was a laundry list, a laundry list of. Films I think what we need seen. to do is we need to have for all of these movies. Like, I'll watch a Star Wars movie. I was just going to suggest this. We need to have a review segment for yes. movies that you've never seen. Yes. And it's sort of like a We've Landed on the Moon movie review segment. <laughs> Can I you like believe it. at the end of Major League, Andrew, that was 1989? I like it. Um, <laughs> up until now, I've felt like Derek and I are sort of kindred spirits for our love of baseball. Yesterday, he said one of the most exciting moments in baseball is a 1-1 count, and I had like a moment from Step Brothers where I was like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> um, but how has he never seen Major League? This is this is hurt. This is hurting my heart. What you guys are saying, but I, I, I think I have one that fits your category. It just occurred to me because whenever I would say this in my previous job up in Mil- down in Milwaukee, people would lose their minds. And I don't, I don't get it. I've never seen Hoosiers. Okay, it's fine. Okay, you good. know what? All right. It's you're. I, I've seen it once or twice. It's highly overrated. You're not going to get black <laughs> in this one. I am like you. It's fine. It's a good I've movie. never seen it. Oh, you've never seen I've it. I've never seen it. It's fine. I've it's also, a good movie. I wouldn't it's not recommended. Like it's not you required viewing. Yeah. I'd recommend watching it, but it's not required viewing. I've never seen uh while we're down this road of high school football movies or high school sports movies, I've never seen Friday Night Lights. Neither the movie's the, great. Neither the TV, TV show, show nor the movie. The movie's really good. I've yes. never seen fantastic. uh Remember the Titans. Whoa. Like Whoa. Yeah. Oh wait, hold on. Wait, wait. What'd you say, Jonathan? Remember the Titans overrated. What? <laughs> what? Overrated. What? Now who's going through the glass? I, I'm huh? trying to figure out what's the most inexplicable thing that was said that you've never seen it or that you you have seen it and you think it's overrated. I'm, I haven't even seen it and I'll agree with them that it's overrated. God, it's just only one of it's the okay. great cinematic masterpieces of all time. Oh, Easy. Easy. <laughs> it's okay. Wow. It's a decent football movie. I wouldn't say it's a cinematic masterpiece. Have we all seen Rudy? We want some more. We want some more. Are we on the same page here? We've all seen Rudy, right? Yes. Okay. Did we all shed a, a part, tear? A part of it. I've <laughs> never seen the whole thing. Don't and don't care. I don't care. I love the movie. It's just sappy. It I hate sappy. Notre Dame football, but that's that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. That really tugs at my heartstrings. I the cried. It, yeah. How can you? Not? Jonathan came off the top rope there. <laughs> like Robbie, Robbie knocked Phil back, and Phil was like, "Oh, oh I'm, I'm hurt. I'm cut." I had to finish him and off. Jonathan comes in and just blasts him. <laughs> he, he shuffled back in his chair, like hit the window. Okay. Since we're so far down this road, in terms of because you said you're kind of a crier, I've become a little bit of a crier for movies uh-huh. and things, and I get more sentimental yeah. the older I get. Yeah. 
Okay, in terms of movies that make you cry, oh, on my list for sure in the top three, Rudy's in the top three. And number one, Toy Story 3. I haven't seen it. Okay. First of all, you have crier. to see it. And Toy Story 4 is coming out in June. I'm like Judd. I, I watched the first Toy Story and I, was, and I liked it, but I, for, for reasons unknown to me, two. I decided not to yeah, continue fine. on. Two's can, not that great. You can skip two, You're watch right. three. Three's really good. Three left me heaving on the couch to the point of where, where my wife told me to calm down and get my act together. <laughs> I was good. heaving. I didn't cry to it. But oh, you Rudy didn't cry at the end time. when the toy... Nah. Oh, oh, you got no heart. Honestly, know, like, I've seen Toy Story 3 six or seven times. Every time it gets to those end None scenes, None of you have children. How are you watching Toy children. Story 3? Because I have oh, yeah, toys. That's right. Jonathan does I have, have children. toys. Who cares about kids? Yeah, dude, it's it's not the about, toys. It's not about the kids. It's the sentimental attachment to the toys you had when you were a kid. That's where they get oh, you. Oh, yeah. okay. Like, I've been looking at this the wrong way the whole time. Yeah. Mm. Trust us. Hmm. So anyways, Carl Anthony Towns, Philadelphia. <laughs> <Wiggins>. Gutless effort. <laughs> Mackie and Judd with Rami. And we have... Potentially another debate to get to here. Major League Baseball rule changes are being discussed behind the scenes. There's one that I think we're drawing a line between me and you two guys for sure. We'll see where Jonathan stands in the studio. Well, what was your favorite part of the Wilds playoff push? Because although they are in the first wildcard spot in the Western Conference, the news just came out. uh, The team clarifying this. Miko Koivu. Will miss the remainder of the season after suffering a tear of the ACL and meniscus in his right knee during Tuesday's game at Buffalo. He's going to have surgery to repair the knee on Friday and uh, be out for the rest of the season. And I can guarantee you of one thing, Paul Fenton is not going to go and try and replace this guy through a a trade that gives away any future assets. So I think the Zolgad plan of bailing out is probably uh, more secure now than it has been in a long time. Seems like it's falling in their lap. Yeah, you just in bail now. Sense, yeah. The Western Conference is a complete mess and and there's a bunch of teams basically log jam at the bottom. Uh so at this point in time, if you if you are going to miss Koivu, you just say to yourself, Well, it's been nice and now we're going to uh miss the playoffs. Yeah, doesn't this also give you if there was any question about, man, this this arena is sold out on a nightly basis and it's really hard to justify to fans that you're gonna pull the plug on a season. Bingo. This gives you the PR out too, right? Absolutely. Uh, hey, well, it's just Miko's out and things haven't gone our way. It, it would seem to be a really easy trigger to pull at this but, point. Excellent point. Yes, they they can easily now say that uh, it's unfortunate, but without him, we're not going to make the playoffs. Yes. And that's it. So Jeff Passan, who just went from Yahoo Sports to ESPN, in uh, so the, the biggest move of the baseball offseason wasn't Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. It was Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Passan going from yeah. Yahoo to ESPN. And he has a piece on ESPN.com, Sources. MLB and Players Association discussing rule changes that could alter the game. And I don't know if these would be in play for 2019 or going forward. He just has a bullet point list of of dueling proposals from Major League Baseball and the Union from earlier this calendar year that covered a wide range of topics, including these. And I'm going to list a few and then get to the one that I think we probably all disagree on. A three-batter minimum for pitchers. A single trade deadline before the All-Star break. So instead of July 31st and August 31st and waiver, non-waiver, just, there's just one trade deadline, and it's before the All-Star break. Um, a 20-second pitch clock, the expansion of rosters to 26 with a 12-pitcher maximum, and a universal designated hitter. So designated hitter in the National League. Finally, 
sanity will prevail if this happens. Rami, go ahead. And that's the end of the segment. No. We will come back. I hate so many, <laughs> so many rules in that list that you just read off, but none more than the universal designated hitter. And that, along with the three batter minimum for pitchers, they're trying to completely remove strategy from the game altogether. Oh, they, God. They, no, seriously. They oh. just want to make it push-button baseball, and it's either a home run or an out every play. I don't understand. I'm not a, I'm not a DH guy, okay? I don't like the DH. I don't want the DH. But you don't I, like Jim Tomey. Uh, he, he's all right. You uh, don't like David Ortiz. Okay, learn how to play a position, dude. Why, 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 why do we have people who only do one thing in the sport? Why? Well, pitchers. Okay, they have to hit in the National League. Pitchers have Do to they hit. Though? They might be bad Do at they it, though? but they hit. Yeah. Make David Ortiz pitch an inning. No, make David Ortiz a first baseman. He might not be very good at it, but he can mash at the plate. So that's the trade-off that you get. I don't, I'm not a DH guy. I don't understand why they can't just leave it the way that it is so that the guy who doesn't want the DH can get his style of baseball and the guy who wants the DH can get his style of baseball. I never understood this this need to make it universal, to make it across the board. And if you were going to make it across the board, then it should be no DH across the board. Whoa. And let's, bring, let's make baseball great again. Oh, that's that's right again, so you can continue killing Rami. your own sport. Thank you, John. Rami. Thank you. I'll take a bow so now, I love sir. You. Thank you. So I love you. What is it that you like about the DH? More offense. Well, I, it's, I was going to give Judd a chance, but I would love to rebuttal here. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, please go, do. Okay. The floor is yours, Senator. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Are you going to give me a Nancy Pelosi clap when I'm done? What was that, by the way? Just quickly, what was that clap? Actually, I have no idea. I, I mean, do, does anybody clap like that? Gators fans. Um, <laughs> I saw her daughter tweet today. She said that, um, if you guys want to really get the answer to that question, she said she saw that clap a lot as a teenager, and it means that she knows and that you know that she knows, and quite honestly, she's disappointed that you thought that would work. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. It's like a sarcastic clap. Like Okay, oh, so that okay. okay. That makes sense, actually. Right. So that's what you guys are gonna do to me here. <laughs> all right. So well to your to your question, what do I like about the DH? I mean, it's like the names speak for themselves. You get guys like and the twins are gonna benefit from, from this because Nelson Cruz, if you had to put him at a defensive position, you probably wouldn't look to sign him. If you had to stash him in right field or at first base, Nelson Cruz's value remains throughout his late 30s because you don't have to put him in right field. I think you think that, but I think that if there was no DH in baseball, guys who could mash like Nelson Cruz can mash, who can mash like David Ortiz can mash, they would find jobs for their bats and simply for their bats. So then to that point, let's say say you're right, that okay, if, if there were no DHs, then every team would just have a, a concrete-footed old guy in right field who hits 40 home runs, to which I say, okay, I want then I want two of those. I'd rather, I don't need to see, especially American League pitchers going to National League ballparks, it's even worse, but I don't need to see a disinterested pitcher cowering in the corner of the batter's box, <laughs> taking three pitches, and and us framing it up as, yeah, but well... The late game strategy where an old manager walks out and takes 45 minutes to explain the double switch to Joe West, who has to take his hearing aid I out. I love like, the double switch. Oh, you the and double John. switch. I'm with Rami on this. Favorite things yeah, in no, baseball. It's, it's a lot Why? of fun. Because it's fun. What's more fun? It's, it's strategic. Du- what's more fun? A double switch? It's more or Craig Kimbrell against, against David Ortiz 
with a playoff spot on the line. I like I like National League games more. I just do. I enjoy I enjoy double switches. I enjoy strategy. I I see what you're saying with, with a big time matchup of a pitcher and a batter. But I love the nuanced things. There's so many games I would I enjoy it when they have to have double switches when they have to bring in guys. I think it's fun. It's the moving of the chess pieces yeah. around the board to set up your next move. That's so, that's what I love about watching baseball. So a chess piece being like the the backup utility infielder who hits 220. Like that's, we got to find a spot for him. That's because the pawn. We move the pitcher out of here. That's the pawn on the board. It can't do much. I love that sometimes you just got to sacrifice it. The only drama with pitchers hitting is okay, are they going to show bunt early or are they going to conceal it until the pitcher no, when Mad goes Bomb's into his windup? Mad Bomb can hit. Mad Bomb can hit, can hit a get better bit. at hitting. One out of any other, get better every other pitcher in the league. Jake Arrieta can hit. Two. Great. But, but, I still but, like the strategy. Yeah, but, so, but when you keep also for those two guys, when you say Madison Bumgarner can hit mm-hmm. relative to other pitchers, if you yeah. compare him to the rest of the league and then give him Plate appearances over the course of time, he's a crappy hitter. Okay. He's just not crappy compared to other pitchers. Right. So it's so just like it's a waste of Can I propose this? If you're gonna if we're going to go down this potential path, all right? So if the National League is going to get the DH and it's going to be now in both leagues, I'll go down this path then. So there will be pain for both sides. All right. The twenty second pitch clock goes in instantly. Players have to shut up. If, if I'm going to give you that many million dollar jobs, then I get a twenty second pitch clock. What's the punishment if you if you go? Joe West can toss. Joe West can toss you. He tases you. He just tosses you out. <laughs> You're out of game. Okay. Um, I like the idea of of a pitcher has to come in and face three batters. I hate that because that essentially because that essentially eliminates then that. Terry Francona constant pitching change BS, which I'm just tired of. Hold on, let's let's pause on that one because I find that one to be impossible to police logistically. If you let let's 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 go down this path of you you're forcing pitchers to stay in for three batters, yes. and let's say you bring a lefty in, and you've got a lefty to start the inning, and then two right-handed hitters coming up. Yep. Well, if I'm a manager, I'm telling that left-handed pitcher get the first guy, and then like fake an oblique injury. How right. can you do that though? All the time, unless like, so you. Well, then to, I'm, I'm going to find. Then I find you. Then I get to find you a uh, hundred thousand dollars each time above I, above and beyond. That happens twice. So the third time you do that, you are automatically fined. But Six I make, figures. But I make fifteen million dollars. You're talking. The I player? just keep finding you. No, <laughs> okay. no. I'm talking. I, no, no, no. The manager gets fined, who does not make that much. So above and beyond, if that happens the first two times, you don't get fined. After that, but and I don't care but, if the guy's hurt or not. But he's hurt. He hurt his oblique. $100,000. I told you there's pain on both sides here. i got to bring pain back. And and the last bit of pain that I'm going to bring is is this. Illegal defenses, which are not mentioned in the story, are in. No more shifting. Oh, my God. No more shifting. I'm yep. tired of shifting. I'm yep. tired of watching Miguel Sano drag his butt from third to second base and then go back. I Illegal defenses are in the game. No, why do why does everybody want to take the thinking out of baseball? Well, this is where ju- this is where at least Rami is aligned here. Rami wants 
Shifting, he wants double switches. Shifting's not. I want. I want pitching changes. I want all of it. This is what baseball is for. It's not just a guy standing on a mound throwing a small hard object at a guy standing at the plate with a stick in his hand trying to hit it somewhere. There's more to the sport than that, and they're trying to boil it down to just that. And that is not the sport. I don't need my third baseman playing in shallow right field. That's not the sport. God did not intend intend for Miguel Sano to move from third base. But I'm saying if we're talking about the pitcher batting was part of this game for a long, long time and in one league stays a part of this game. But this whole, the, the shifts now are so out of control, we don't need them. I would like for there to be, I, I think it's too early to say that, man, we've just gone way past the point of, Teams have too much data, and like we have to make drastic alterations to shifting. I wouldn't die on the hill because I I like to see offense and I like to see batted balls, uh, fine grass, etc. But I think we need a little bit more time before we say like I, there needs to be a sort of a natural selection process here. And what's happening is the Logan Morrisons who only hit fly balls to one side of the field; those guys are out of baseball. So I'd like to see the next cycle through, which is okay. Teams have data and they're shifting you. And now the owner adjustment for hitters and teams is let's find guys who can spray the ball and put it in play because those guys now become more valuable. Let's find let's find those yeah, but that's, Astadio type players. That's easy to say, but when every reliever is throwing 95 plus and jamming you on your hands, try going the other way. I don't care how good a baseball, I don't care how good a hitter you are, try going the other way on 97 plus on your hands. You sure, know what no, I mean? Yeah, it's not so, easy. Right. So part of part of the strategy of shifting is pitching into the shift. You know what I mean? Which is it's borderline impossible to do what you're asking these guys to do. A lot of people will will say that well you're a professional hitter, just beat the shift. Just beat it. I mean, if all the play if all the fielders are on one side of the field, then just hit the ball to the other side of the field. You're a professional hitter, just do it. And Mauer couldn't. No not and almost nobody yeah. can take 97 plus on your hands on the inner half of the plate and just go the other way with it. Now pitchers will miss if if hitters are a little bit more patient and don't swing at 97 on the hands. He eventually will miss, and it'll get out over the plate, and he won't hit that inner half of the plate. That's how you beat the shift, is you wait for your pitch that you can take the other way and take it the other way. But hitters are so so swing-happy nowadays, and that's why you're seeing batted balls or balls in play less and less, and you're seeing strikeouts more and more because guys are just up there swinging and not waiting for their pitch. That's, that's what's going to beat the shift. And I think my point is less about... All right, do something that's almost humanly impossible. Right. And it's more well, if you if you aren't if you don't have quick enough hands to at least be able to do something other than pull the ball. There there are a lot of hitters. Jose Altuve hits to all fields. He's one of the great hitters, so I'm right. I'm using one of the great hitters as an example. Um but if you are one of those guys that only hits fly balls to right field, you might as well hang it up. Like if you're Unless they're going over the fence 40 times a year. Right, but look what happened to Chris, the Chris Davises, the Adam Dunns, the Logan Morrisons. Those dudes are extinct. There's there's just there's a few guys. That, there, there's the other Chris Davis with a K, but <laughs> that dude will hit some opposite field home runs once mm-hmm. in a while too. So I think like to pull this back to the list of things from, and, and Judd's right, I'm surprised that, that shifting isn't on this list of things that are being discussed because we know it that was it's been a one topic yeah, last of conversations. Yeah. The other one on here that that we touched on was the three batter minimum for pitchers, and I want to add one more thing to that because logist- logistically the injury faking thing is one thing, but if you have pitchers that are feeling a little bit of a, a something, but they know that let's say you put 
restrictions in place where if you come out of the game after your first batter, you have to be on the disabled list for a week. But that's the punishment. That's the compromise. You come out, that's cool, but like you're on the disabled list for a week. Man, I don't know if I warmed up right. I faced one hitter, and I just I don't know if I'm feeling it. But I don't want to go on the DL for a week, so I'm going to grind this out and face the next two batters and blow and out boom. your elbow. It's just yeah, Tommy yeah. John. <laughs> what are you guys so worried about? They have Tommy John all the time now. It's like going to McDonald's. <laughs> what going to McDonald's? Yeah, it's like going to McDonald's. It's like a Big Mac. I mean, you go get Tommy John. You're fine in a year. You just order it. Yeah, that's what happens. Hey, I need Tommy John. Okay, no problem. Milkshake too. Does it have a number associated with it? Like, yeah, I'd like, top, the like three. can I get a number four? <laughs> I'd like the three. The LCL special. <laughs> we have labrums on sale too. Oh, that's a nice one.